Over the past couple of years, you've seen that the black community has been nothing but a way to get quick money. And here's one of the clowns that prove it, Tariq Nasheed. Let's check out this uh, commercial for Hidden Colors, Hidden History Museum. Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. Join us for the March Museum Mixer, Saturday, March 25th at 7 p.m. at the Hidden History Museum in Los Angeles, hosted by Tariq Nasheed and Dewan B. This is an event you don't want to miss. There will be celebrity guests on the red carpet, a complimentary food buffet, a comedy show with some of the hottest new comedians, and a poppin' after party. This will be the hottest event in town. Get your tickets now at HiddenHistoryMuseum.com. That's what it's about, huh? That's what it's supposed to be about. Interesting. Damn shame. Damn shame. See what you got to say about it. See what others got to say about it, too. This is what he got to say about it. Yeah, we got some comics. Um, My man Dwan B. Say it's like a club. Yeah, shit, that's what it is. A museum slash club. That's, that's what it is. We got it popping. Yeah, we got some comics. Um, a museum slash club. Museums are supposed to be a place where you gain knowledge. You know, that's what it's supposed to be about. Okay. It's supposed to be something to honor knowledge. In this case, to show about black inventors, show about black people who struggled struggled despite racism they overcame to contribute to the society and also to black people okay to show that they're not they're more than just shaking their booty on social media more than thirst trapping okay that's what it's supposed to be about Good morning, Outlaw. No surprise, but by that many Negroes are silly. They want entertainment, not solutions, and getting all their homes in order. Yeah. We have so many things that are falling apart. All right. In this country right now. And you want to put up a lounge. Okay. I'd be okay if you turned the museum, you know, have a museum. All right for knowledge and turning it, put a trade school in there as well, because things are getting bad in this country and California is getting hurt bad. 
Okay. This is what's going on right now. This is what is happening. I'll show you this. The dollar value has been slipping over the past few months. The U.S. dollar rose more than 7.5% in 2022, according to the Wall Street Journal dollar index. But some think the dollar's lofty rally might be over. So what's going on and what can we expect in 2023? After rallying for most of 2022, the dollar's value relative to other currencies has dipped over the past few weeks. That's probably due to the prospect of the U.S. economy weakening, said Ezra Prazad, a trade policy professor at Cornell University. So the fact that the U.S. might do little, might do a little worse than earlier anticipated, Europe and Japan might do a little better than early anticipated is enough to drive the value of the dollar down, he said. On top of that, the Federal Reserve has indicated it might be relaxing the rate at which it's increasing interest rates. They see a turning of the inflation problem in the U.S., said Dean Baker, senior economist at the Center for Economic and Policy Research in Washington, D.C., but there's less evidence of that in Europe and England. So those banks at this point seem much more hawkish than the Fed. If there's any foreseeable end to the conflict in Ukraine, Baker added that that would bolster the euro's value significantly, which could relatively decrease the dollar's value even further. Hmm. Wow. And that's another thing, too. People are no longer going to be accepting the dollar. You're going to have to buy everything and purchase everything through your debit card. And here's the thing. Banks are shutting down. So you're in a catch-22 right now. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. So when all this is going down, Tariq Nasheed is turning a museum into a nightclub in the hood. Okay. This this is what he's doing. Okay. We're going to be on bread lines. And he's thinking about clubbing. I don't know, man. I, I think that, you know, people should be raising hell. That's what they should be doing. But they're not. Let me get another article here. And mind you, I did say that this museum is in the hood. So what do you think people are going to do in the hood when they can't buy food? When they can't, you know, feed themselves? What do you think they're going to do? Crime is going to get even worse. The United States is broke. 
article originally appeared on the Daily Reckoning here. Those who focus on the U.S. national debt keep wondering how long this debt levitation can act. Debt levitation act can go on. The U.S. debt to the GDP ratio is at the highest level in U.S. history. I'm <clears throat> sorry, in history, 106 percent, with the expectation of the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. With growth now fading at the Trump tax cut boost, the debt to GDP ratio is now up to 106 percent. 6% since debt is growing faster than GDP. The national debt has registered a compound annual growth of 8.8%, but only 6.3 for GDP. That's not a sustainable situation, and it's not at all clear that GDP will close the gap. Basically, the United States is officially broke. I don't say that to be hyperbolic. I'm not saying I'm not looking to scare people. It's just an honest assessment based on the numbers. Right now, the United States is roughly 21 0.6 trillion in debt. We have about 20 trillion economy, which means our debt is bigger than our entire economy. Can't pay that off. When is the debt to GDP ratio too high? When does a country reach the point that it's either turns things around or ends up like Greece? Economists Ken Rogoff and Carmen Reinhardt carried out a long historical survey going back eight, going back 800 years, looking at the individual countries or empires in some cases that have gone broke or defaulted on their debt. They put the danger zone to at a debt to GDP ratio of 90%. Once it reaches 90%, they found a turning point arrives. At that point, a dollar of debt yields less than a dollar of output. Debt becomes an actual drag on growth. Again, the current U.S. Debt to GDP ratio is 106%. We have a long surpassed the danger zone already. We are deep into the red zone, that is, and we're only going deeper. We're heading for our sovereign debt crisis. That's not an op. That's not an opinion. It's based on our numbers, which makes it a mathematical certainty. How do we get out of it? There's only one solution left: inflation. Now the Fed printed about four trillion over the past several years. And we barely had any inflation at all on Main Street, even though it does appear to be pre-collating lately. The bottom line is not even money printing really worked to get inflation moving. Is there anything left in the bag of monetary tricks? There is actually. The Fed have authority over global reserve currency. It could actually cause inflation in about 15 minutes if used it. How? The Fed can call a board meeting, vote on new monetary policy, walk outside and announce the world that effective immediately, the price of gold is 5,000 per ounce. They could make the new trick, the new price stick by using the Treasury's gold in Fort Knox, if it's still there, and the major U.S. bank gold dealers to conduct open market operations in gold. They'll be buyer if the price hits below 5,000 per ounce or less, and a seller if the price hits above uh, 5,000 per ounce or higher. They'll be, they will print money when they buy and reduce the money supply when they sell via the banks. The Fed would target the gold price rather than interest rates. The point is to cause a generalized increase in the price level. A rise in the price of gold from today's price to 5000 per ounce is a massive devaluation of the dollar when measured in the quantity of gold that $1 can buy. Don't think it is possible. It happens in the U.S. twice in the past 80 years. The first time was in 1933 when President Franklin Roosevelt ordered an increase in the gold price from $20.67 $20. per ounce 
to $35 per ounce, nearly a 75% rise in the dollar price of gold. He did this to break the deflation of the Great Depression, and it worked. The second time was in the 1970s when Nixon ended the conversation, I'm sorry, the conversion of dollars into gold by U.S. trading partners. Nixon did not want inflation, but he got it. Gold went from $35 per ounce to $800 per ounce in less than nine years. A 2,200% increase, the value of the dollar was cut in half in those five years. History shows that rising, raising the dollar price of gold is the quickest way to cause general inflation. It's not likely that this could happen anytime soon, especially with inflation beginning to show up here and there. But if it doesn't prove substantial, sustainable, and we enter a deep recession, which is very likely, the Fed could reach deep into the bag of tricks for a golden inflation cure. Now, after hearing a possible scenario of what the Fed could, what will you do? Stay alert, attentive, and take action. This is what we're dealing with right now. Okay. Yeah, the dollar's cooked. Other countries had enough. Saudis are getting off his, off. I'm sorry, Saudis are getting off the petrodollar. Meanwhile, POTUS is taking trans talking trans stuff. <laughs> yep. People thought they were finding funding the museum and he gave them a nightclub. I really do think Tariq, Tariq Nasheed is basically an agent. I really do. I think that all these black politicians that are in, you know, in your face, they get mainstream media text, um, attention. They get, you know, the limelight, especially on social media. Sometimes I do think he's an agent or it's just the fact that, you know, he's, he's appealing to a, a fan base from the hood. And most people from the hood are not that intelligent. And the ones who are, are shunned when they call out the nonsense, like any, you know, any person with a brain would do. Okay. So it comes to show that when things really hit the fan, we're going to have to have blacks that are going to have to leave the cities. And that's, that's the thing I fear the most for blacks who live in uh, the five boroughs in New York City. They're basically, they're done. Crime is going to go up and unspeakable things will be done in order to feed their stomachs. Unspeakable things. The blacks that are decent and live in those communities have to move out. Okay? They have to. What I'd like to know is... uh, one of these pro-blacks going to talk about how they need reparations in digital currency because the dollar is going extinct. And sad to say, those leaders that they have, those quote-unquote famous leaders, are going to do the bidding of white supremacy and make up a, uh, a lie why it's good to have reparations in cash when cash is going extinct. I see that happening. I see I see that happening. 
they will hate on a King Randall and glorify a Tariq Nasheed or a Umar Johnson or even look up to African Bombada, who's a known pedophile. Okay? Because it's all about the looks. It's all about the, um, the symbolism. Okay? If he doesn't look like somebody speak, coming out of a rap video, they won't follow him. He'll look... It's most people in the black community who are of um of the ghetto usually have a high school mindset if you don't have that swag you have but you know just no swag just just swag you got to have swag more than intelligence you have no intelligence it's okay as long as you make it up with swag and they'll they'll flock to you they'll give you money never mind you have no substance at all you know like barack obama had no substance and he was pushing that alphabet mafia nonsense. He got Gaddafi eliminated. Okay. Um, and he was supporting neo-Nazis in Ukraine in 2014 during his, uh, his uh, term as president. Okay. Both sides were 2014, but you know Obama was down with that too. But because he's black... You know, no no character, no substance, because he's black. That's what matters. And he got that swag. All right? Yeah, the cities are very dangerous. Because when things go down, you have to take transportation to get out of that city. And all types of people have access to public transportation. And especially those projects, they are extremely dangerous. And let me tell you something. Cops are not going to work for free. EMT, I'm, I'm sorry, um, EMS is not going to work for free. Emergency medical services. All right. They're not. Do you know what it's like calling the cops in New York City? They ask you a whole bunch of stupid questions. You have an immediate situation going down and they want you to go down a checklist of questions. I can imagine what it's like in California. All right. And this this um, Hidden Colors uh, Museum is in the hood. So imagine what it must be like trying to call the cops. But let me tell you, let me help you imagine something worse. Imagine trying to call cops and you know those cops are not getting paid. And they're having issues with money. Hmm? What do you think they'll do to feed their families? Probably look the other way, get a bribe here and there. They're already dealing with uh, the um, L.A. Sheriff's Department and the racism in that department. Let me show you something else. Let me show you something else. Eyebrows for some and creating full-blown outrage for others after the Republican-led State House passed a bill that would 
form a court system of unelected judges and prosecutors to preside over part of the capital city of Jackson and expand the Capitol Police Force. In short, instead of giving the city's majority black residents an opportunity to exercise their voting rights to elect judges and prosecutors, the power would fall to government officials. Joining us now is one of the biggest opponents of this legislation, Mississippi House Minority Leader Representative Robert L. Johnson III. Representative, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. So I want to start by reading uh, part of your joint statement about these bills. You say HB 1020 and SB 2889 are an insult and a distraction, taking power away from the citizens of our capital city while we waste critical hours sitting around and letting the hospitals close and our people die. You go on to say these bills are what modern-day Jim Crow looks like. Explain to us how this bill even got this far along in the process to begin with. Well, we have a majority, a supermajority-led House and Senate and a Republican governor. And uh, as I describe them from time to time, they are kind of new to this process. And they don't have any respect for the rules, procedure, or the tr tradition of the legislature. And so we don't even, there are, there, are, there are even opportunities to debate some of these issues. They've just decided that they're just going to run uh, uh, shot over the whole process and have what they want. All right, so just break it down for us in layman terms. If this were to pass, what would this mean for the black residents? Well, they, they would essentially have uh, judges who would be appointed by a Supreme Court justice who was appointed by this very governor that, that is engineering this, this effort. Uh, they wouldn't have any say-so in that, in that, uh, in that judgeship, those, those multiple judgeships. And so those people would answer to no one uh, who lives in Hines County. Not only would that judge not be elected, that judge could come from anywhere in the state. And so that the Constitution says all of our judges should be elected, uh, must be, shall be elected. And so this takes that, that, that right to vote, that right to exercise their constitutional power from the people in the city of Jackson. So all the cases, I mean, it would be the most important part of this. So all the cases that anybody brings against the state of Mississippi, and we, we bring them all the time. I'm a lawyer. We, if you sue the state of Mississippi, they have to come through the circuit or chancery court in Hines County. There was a, a time when we were fighting for more money for public education. And one of the things that, that they wanted to challenge was the constitutionality of the referendum proposal. One of the white Republican legislators told his constituents, if we pass this referendum, then you'll have to answer to a, a black judge in Hines County. That, you know, it, uh, there are these, 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 these little phrases, these invites that they have that always point to race. Is there a chance that this bill will die in the Senate? There is a chance the bill will die in the Senate. Uh, thankfully, because of the uproar, because of the, the, the push that that many of us have had from, from lawyers to community activists to legislators, I think, and, and, and the national pre pressure from people like just the exposure from networks and people like you, uh, they, they are feeling the pressure. Uh, this looks, uh, does look like Jim Crow, like post-reconstruction. This looks, looks like everything that uh, some of us who are old enough uh, remember growing up through the civil rights movement, the things that we fought to, to reverse. Representative, curious, I know your intention is to stop it, but but let's just play devil's advocate here. Are you concerned yeah. that if this bill does become law, would it create a new template for a Republican fight for the years to come, similar to, to what's happened with critical race theory law, for example? 
Well, yes. It, it, look, we tell people, we, we've been telling people all over the state, this is not a Jackson problem. This is a Mississippi problem. If they're going to do it to Jackson, they'll do it to Greenville, Greenwood, anywhere they want to go. They want to create a city within a city that just serves a, a particular segment of the population. Uh, this capital city complex uh, uh, has a, a disproportionate white population, doesn't represent the, the actual per capita uh, uh, demographic in the city of Jackson. And that's this is a template for what they'll do in any city that that has black or African American leadership. And so, yes, it, the danger is that this is the this is the route Republicans will continue to do where, in places where they lose political power. Mississippi Democratic Minority Leader Rep. This is what's going on, man. This is what is going on. Okay. And people are happy about, and other states are going to be doing this too. People are happy about Tariq Nasheed uh, doing this nonsense. We're in a heap of trouble now. They are trying to get, you know, they're trying to bring racism back. That's what they're trying to do. All right. <clears throat> they are really trying to go back to hanging black people. That, that's the goal. That is the goal. Owning you, going back to slavery. That's what they want. Both sides want this. Jim Crow is resurrected in Mississippi. The state is moving to create white controlled district in an overwhelmingly black city with unelected officials, judges, and prosecutors. Earlier this month, white representatives in the Mississippi House approved the bill to create a new district that includes all of the majority white neighborhoods in Jackson, a capital city that is 83% black. This includes creating a criminal justice system for the district overseen by an all white power base. Under House Bill 1020, the white conservatives chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court would handpick the new district's two supervising judges and prosecutors and public defenders would be chosen by the state's white Republican attorney general. The zone will be policed by an expanded Capitol police force led by the current white police chief and supervised by the state's white public safety commissioner because all the district's officials would be appointed instead of elected. Jackson's majority black citizenship would have no voting rights on the matter, making it Mississippi only jurisdiction where, according to the ACLU, unelected judges and prosecutors have jurisdiction over criminal and civil law matters, although 12% of their sales tax would be redirected to help pay for it all. It's oppressive because it strips the right of the black folks to vote. Jackson Mayor Choco Antar Lamumba said, after the bill cleared in the House, it's oppressive because it puts a military force over the people that has no accountability to them. It's oppressive because there will be judges who will determine sentences over people's lives. It's oppressive because it redirects their tax dollars to something they don't endorse nor believe in. State Representative Trey Lamar, the white Republican who sponsored the bill, lives in and represents a majority white district more than two hours away from Jackson. He holds a seat once held by his grandfather, Leon Hanford, whose legacy includes introducing 
1962 bill to tighten residency requirements for college students, with a which a local paper at the time reported would have kept Negro James Meredith from filing suit to enter the University of Mississippi. In various statements on the House floor and in an op-ed from the last weekend, the legislator has insisted that the HB 1020, by adding unelected judges to Hines County courts, will help clear up lengthy case backlogs, while an expanded Capitol Police force will address a spike in crime in Jackson, allowing his constituents to feel safe when they come to the Capitol. <sighs> wow. Calling the bill racially neutral, <clears throat> he suggested Jackson's black elected representatives who overwhelmingly rejected the legislation have used race as some kind of political maneuver and have even gone so far as to accuse those same black officials of incompetence and leadership. If it's not already obvious already, there's really only one way to describe an effort to create a white political stronghold in America's second blackest city, where the black majority is subject to taxation without representation, and that is trying to pull a Jim Crow. But it's not just the top-down white supremacist power structure the bill proposes that begs the Jim Crow comparisons. It's also the overtly racist subtext needed to justify the idea that white power is the natural solution as an assumption so frequently made it's recognizable between all those lines, racially neutral language. At the suggestion of the amendment to ensure his bill's unelected judges at least be from Jackson, Lamar suggested the search not be limited to the majority black city, asking, do we not want our best and brightest sitting in judgment? Black House Democrats rightly compared the bill to Mississippi 1890 constitution, which was drafted explicitly to exclude the Negro from voting through sinister methods of black disenfranchisement. But the toppling of the reconstruction, the toppling of the reconstruction in Mississippi as elsewhere was also driven by the white supremacist assumption of black incompetence, intellectual unfitness, and innate inadequacy ideas fabricated to cast black folks as incapable of leading. One Mississippi delegate would later write that the goal of the state's constitutional convention has been to opt some provision in our organic law, which would serve to the state a good and stable government, freed from Negro rule from which we had suffered, and to remove from the spirit of politics in the state, the ignorant and unpatriotic Negro. Wow. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. This is what they want. This is what they want. And like I said, <clears throat> we're, at, we're in a race war right now. And most blacks don't care. Or they do care. I'm, I'm sorry. They do know. Especially the ones in higher up. But they won't tell you about it. Especially the ones in, you know, who work in mainstream media. All right. But Mr. Tariq Nasheed isn't aware of this since he talks so much about racism. Hmm. For nearly a century, the white racist recollection of Reconstruction would redact and overwrite history, smearing black leaders as inherently unfit to hold office and falsely portraying the reestablishment of absolute white authority as a necessary intervention in saving grace. Perhaps this history is lost to Mississippi's current white legislators, 
but that seems unlikely considering the effort they put into scrubbing it from textbooks. Ditto the fact that no black official has held any of the designated shot calling positions, attorney general, chief justice of the Supreme Court, nor any statewide elected office since the brief period of reconstruction after the Civil War, which ended due to white terrorism to block black voting power. This is insane, man. Mississippi Today reports that during the four hour debate over the bill, as black house members were doing all they could to plead with the humanity of the GOP. Minute. I'm not going to read anymore. You guys get the picture of what's going on. All right. That uh, we're in trouble. And when things really hit the fan, blacks are going to be an endangered species. Don't tell me nothing about uh, blacks could win a race for. No. You spend too much time aborting your own kind, too much time, you know, thinking, uh, get your booty to the pole with something sensible and respectable. Too much time not calling out and accepting, calling out and accepting true black leadership. Calling out what I mean, calling out the nonsense. <clears throat> Refuse to call out the nonsense. Refuse to call the nonsense that these so-called black officials in power are doing at the behest of white supremacy. You can call them out. All right. It's way too late. It is way too late. It's going to get to a point where you probably are going to have to fight tooth and nail and with guns, but it will be too late. You won't win. You won't. <clears throat> Blacks have been so pushed into the dirt, brainwashed that True knowledge is bad. You know, bowing the knee to racist whites, whether they're Democrat or Republican, is a good thing. Planned Parenthood is a good thing. You bow down to that. Bow down to it's okay to have multiple kids from different men. Bow down to feminism have a deep hatred for blacks that tell you the truth. Even on social media right here, have a deep hatred for blacks who tell the truth, who are telling you, warning you that things are coming that are going to make life extremely harsh for black people. But you don't care. And when it's in your face, you will care, but it's too late. I believe there are good 
black people that actually want to see change in their community, but they're outnumbered by the ignorant. Or the fact that there's too many who say they want to be down, but minute money comes into the picture, they will sell out their own people. And that's why I think reparations will never happen because you have too many sellouts. Too many. All right. <clears throat> Shout out to Don Mega. <clears throat> Shout out to Don Mega, who uh, was talking about Tariq Nasheed. Other than that, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Hit the like button. Anything you want to know about this channel, look in the description box. All the information is there. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers.